You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to the Gastroenteritis Blues. Uh, my name is Steve Lippman. I'm with Emily Anderson and Dan Volpone. Hi, how are you both doing? Emily, you start. I'm doing good. Yeah. Um, had a busy day yesterday, so a little tired, but I'm excited to be here with you guys. Good. Excited to have you. Dan, how are you? Yeah, I'm good too. I also had a busy day yesterday, but like less, less so, I guess. But I did roommate Thanksgiving, so I ate a lot of Popeyes last night. You did roommate Thanksgiving. That's very sweet. Yeah. So you guys just yeah. got like... Popeyes. We waited in line for an hour at Popeyes. It was infuriating. But then we got a bunch of chicken. It was good. So it all worked out. Do you normally eat chicken on Thanksgiving? No, but we didn't want to cook. That's fair. Yeah. So is was there a giant line of Popeyes because this is like a thing that that is popular to do like before Thanksgiving people get Popeyes? No. All right. So the Popeyes has like whoever's running it is just they don't have any common sense. So there's one window, right? And okay. we we drive up and we're like, well, we, we already ordered online, so we could probably just walk into the store. And they're like, no, you have to get in the line. So we sit in this line for like 25 minutes. There's a huge line of cars. And then we get to the window and they're like, there's an intercom like five feet behind you and you missed it. And so since you tell, didn't tell us your order, then you have to get back in the line. Oh my God. So I was going to kill him. We got back in line for another 25 minutes, go to the intercom and they're like, okay, um, oh, you ordered ahead of time? Yeah, you can actually just come inside, which is what we tried to do in the first place before we waited in line for 50 minutes. Wow. So God. it was a terrible experience, but the, the chicken was very good. So was it worth fine. the wait in the end? Like, not really. I don't know. <laughs> okay. well, but it was, it was good. It was good. Well, I'm glad to see that you're out of line and here with us today. Um, there's news that just happened. Woes just reported that tomorrow at noon, the trade moratorium will be lifted and trades can happen. Obviously, the Sixers have a bunch of bad players, so they need to do a lot of trades. Uh, are you guys excited for tomorrow uh, for the trade moratorium to be lifted? And do you expect anything right away? Dan? Hell yeah, I'm excited. It's like, yeah. it's like the first time in, I guess, since, since February 6th that um, we're able to envision Al Horford not being on the team, being like yeah. a – being like something that could happen any day now, like it could be, it could be imminent. Right. So uh, I don't know if the Sixers will have anything right away. I really hope so. I'm going to convince myself they do to make myself happy until then. But I think at least there will be some teams who have something like immediate. Yeah. What do you think, Emily? Yeah, I'm excited. It's one of the times where I like really am happy that I have Woj alerts on my phone so I Same. can just see what happens. Right. Um, it's always exciting. But yeah, I don't know if the Sixers – 
I don't, maybe they'll have something right away. I could see it actually. I would love that. But I also think if they do, it's something that I, I don't think like the Al Horford trade is going to drop right away. They're going to make us wait how, for how that How fun one. would that be if like, be like 12.01, it's like Horford for Chris Paul or Heald or one of them. Yeah, um, but you already know at 12.01, the notifi- you're going to get a notification and it's going to be Woj like retweeting his podcast. Yeah, I can't yeah. stand it. We hate podcasts here. Um, <laughs> Uh, Jackson Frank is going to be on the podcast to talk a lot about the draft. I don't know if we've even mentioned the draft, but the draft is going to happen <laughs> on Wednesday. And uh, I'm not a college basketball guy. I don't know much about anything. But yep. we're going to talk to Jackson, who does. So Jackson will have a lot of stuff to tell us about the prospects in the Sixers range and, and the whole thing. Uh, a few things to talk about. The Sixers have new jerseys. Now, there's two parts to this conversation. I'm really excited for the second part. But first, I want to hear what you think. <laughs> about the jerseys themselves they are ben simmons was apparently involved in the design of these jerseys and they have boathouse row uh across the middle and they're black and uh they're not the ai01 uniforms that they teased emily what are your thoughts on the new jerseys um i'm gonna say i like them but we've had this conversation the three of us privately like on our text group that Mm -hmm. if they hadn't like tease them as a throwback, people right. wouldn't be as angry because these are not a throwback. They are just a black jersey. Correct. Correct. They set um, themselves yeah. up for failure with that. Exactly. If they were just like new black jerseys, people would have been like, okay, I think they would like them more. There are some things I really like about them. I like that boathouse where it wraps around the whole jersey. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I like the hidden TTP. I think that's cool. Um, other than that, they're jerseys, but... Mm-hmm. I don't hate them. Yeah, Dan, you? Yeah, I don't hate them either. But I, I feel like you could do a lot more with the, with the black jersey. Like, like I think the Eagles black jerseys—they're really simple, but they're mm-hmm. like I love them. You know, like when they when they break out the 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 all blacks, I'm like, this is going to be a a very you know nice to to watch game because they just look so good in them. And then right. these are they're not bad, but they're kind of whatever. I don't know. They're not they're not special at all. They're yeah, better I, than the uh, sweatpants, I think, though. The sweatpants. Look <laughs> I like those ones. <laughs> I have a hat in that stuff. I have a. I have the jersey. Yeah. I don't I like the color gray. I have an MB jersey. I like I, it. I like a grout fit. Um, Me too. I, uh, I'm not a big uh, jersey connoisseur. A lot of people were very angry, and I, I couldn't get there. I don't really care. Sixers hired Daryl Morey. I kind of couldn't give a fuck what their new jerseys look like now. The Sixers president, Chris Heck, was heavily involved in these jerseys. And uh, he, the, the jersey sort of premiered with a Zach Lowe uh, column on ESPN where they unveiled the jerseys and interviewed Heck and Simmons about them and how they came to be. The next day, Chris Heck talked to uh, UniWatch, which I think is a website about uniforms. And he said this. The whole blue collar thing is meant to be positive. I hear it all the time too. We actually don't use the term Philly because we think it's lazy and undersells the city. And sometimes I think blue collar does the same thing. We refer to it as new Philadelphia. Blue collar is important for the city, but it's not the only component. New Philadelphia is about the arts, it's culture, it's about education, it's about diversity. We like that narrative more than the blue collar hockey thing, <laughs> which isn't, which isn't, I don't know, which isn't a slight on it, but we think we're more than blue collar. So these are kind of themes and mantras that we think about. 
So if I'm selling out with a black uniform, we better have a reference to the nightlife and nothing shines brighter than Boat House Row. That's how we came up with it. I get that it's polarizing, to totally fair. I won't go to the grave with this uniform, but I don't dislike it. I just love our other ones maybe more. That's my soapbox. Um, what do you think? Um, the team's president is staging like an anti-Philly, the term Philly thing. Um, feels like a weird thing to do. I don't really understand why he would take this stance and be like, no, new Philadelphia is what everybody calls it. Emily, what do you think about Chris Hack? I have so many thoughts on this <laughs> statement. My favorite is, I think, that the end where he's like, I don't even really like them. Like, I was involved <laughs> in designing these jerseys. I am signed off on them, but I don't like them. I'm not going like, to the grave with these. I like the other ones more. What are we promoting then? What's going like, on? So why are they a thing? I don't, I don't understand calling Boathouse Row nightlife. It's just something that happens at <laughs> night. It's not like... It's pretty when you drive past it on 76, but like, I don't... It's, it's not, definitely you not can't go life. there and never like been do there. anything. No, those are private places. I, I don't... Yeah, yeah, I don't... Um, the whole blue collar thing is terrible. Is he like, is it like hockey, like the game? Like the Flyers are blue collar and he's don't like know. shitting on the Flyers also in this statement? Strange. That'll go over well. Um, no, <laughs> no one calls it New Philadelphia. That's very weird. We should say um, Chris did apologize and then delete his apology. So and blocked everyone who got mad at him. <laughs> Come on. I just like was there not a PR person in the room during this interview being like, mm, "Cut it! This stop! You need oh. to stop with this. Is bad. Is really bad." Unreal, Dan. What do you think? I'm a little confused. What he thinks his job is. <laughs> he's the he's the team president. His job isn't really to like take a cultural direction Unbelievable. that is like going against the grain <laughs> that like might not be popular, but like in his mind makes the organization better. Like people like the Philly thing. People like the blue collar thing. People wanted black jerseys to bring back. And like the thing standing in the way is that like Chris Heck has like this bizarre fashion sense that excludes the color black and like really like doesn't like poor people or something. Like I don't really understand what, what is his role on the team? Isn't he just supposed to like make money? I don't understand what his, what is his job that he's now like trying to redefine the entire city? I don't get it. I don't, even just if you think from a business perspective, even if you believe all those things, why you're saying them aloud to a person with a microphone, I don't understand. I don't understand it at all. He, he has either he said or like <clears throat> colleagues have said about him that like, the AI jerseys will not come back while Chris Heck is there. Chris Heck is like, he hates those jerseys. And like, I don't think anybody actually cares about like the style of those jerseys, but they're nostalgic and everybody adores AI. And like, that's the reason. People want like an MB AI jersey. Um, I do, I want one. That would be great, that would be great. But now we're getting new Philadelphia jerseys. Like, I, I'm just like, afraid of what the next thing is like this is where Phila came from it was definitely Chris Hack who's like we can't write Philly it has to be Phila that's yeah. where this came from I'm convinced of it now right uh so we have a trade we have a trade not Sixers not Sixers but uh, someone who has been talked about with the Sixers a little bit um Dennis Schroeder is going to the Lakers for Danny Green and the 28th pick in the draft whoa 
Dennis Schroeder is going to the Lakers. Wow. Ah. I like that for the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, he's like, he's better than Rondo. Um, I'm kind of surprised that they couldn't get a little more for him in OKC. Yeah. Like, they get Danny Green, who I would assume they're going to buy out. Um, but yeah, I'm not completely sure. Emily, what do you think of that trade? Um, hate it for the Lakers. Right. Yeah, it's fine. I don't really care about either of those teams, so like they can do the <laughs> Um, yeah, I feel like he'll probably help them. Uh, good breaking news, Dan. Very good. No, my well done. Yeah, I actually, this is my own reporting. <laughs> yeah if any if anyone's wondering we actually recorded this at like 10 a.m <laughs> yeah um oh so the other thing to talk about while uh we're waiting for jackson i'm just going to resend him the link here but uh did you see the thing with nerland's noel yeah. yes apparently this is like via the rights to ricky sanchez podcast uh, a listener sent to them from Nerland's Noel's, I guess, Facebook page. Is it like the official Nerland's Noel Facebook? Page? Yeah, it's got a check mark. <laughs> okay. It, it's him like reposting from the Sixers official account, like highlights, I think, of himself. And he wrote, Mood, can't wait to be back. So, what do you think? Do you think that's legit and he is actually coming back? Or what do we think? I think that it's just good highlights of him and he just wanted to post something where he was playing well and it, that happened to be in a Philly jersey. Right. So you think like can't wait to be back has to do with be back with the NBA. That's what I think. Right. But yeah, okay. I could be wrong. Yeah, what think, do you think? I think Emily's right, but I would I would be happy to have Nerlens back because I like the idea that like first of all everyone loved him when he was here. Well, mm-hmm. not everyone. But everyone. cool people did. And the, I like the idea that it's like, all right, we have to, we have to solve the backup center problem. So instead of spending 30 million a year on it, we're going to spend like 5 million a year on it, but we're going to get a good player. Mm-hmm. It's really uh, interesting with Daryl here now, because my first instinct is to be like, yeah, but the Sixers won't do that. Cause that's smart. But now I have to like reframe my thinking mm-hmm. because now they have like a competent like so person in the front office. I'm like, Oh wait, maybe they would do that because it's, you know, it's weird. It's a weird feeling. Yeah, and I don't think things ended well with Nerlens and the Sixers. I mean, it, Colangelo ended up dragging that out for forever with him and Okafor. And um, do you guys remember when he came in? He, like, hadn't played for a while, and then he came in and got this giant standing ovation and talked about how much he loved the fans. Like, I think while Colangelo or Colangelo's buddies were the GM, he would not have wanted to come back. But now that it's, like, a brand-new regime, I mean – I don't know what their relationship is like now, but him and Embiid used to be very close when uh, when they were here. I love I always loved him. Uh, I think probably for a backup center, you might want a shooter because of Simmons, but he's a really good, solid player that I'd, I'd love to have back. All right, the I other agree. stuff that's happened. Jackson is going to be here in a minute. He just uh, messaged me. Uh, Russell Westbrook apparently asked for a trade. He wants to leave Houston. Uh, how do you guys think that is going to affect James Harden and, you know, very quickly there was a Shams report that Harden is like raring to go for the season and is ready. But like just last season, they acquired Russ because Harden wanted him. Um, 
and it, I have a hard time seeing them getting like positive value for Westbrook at the state of his career right now. So, Emily, what do you think about the Houston Rockets thing and how that's going to affect everything else? Um, I, in terms of Harden, I think that I think he'll be like I don't think he's going to push for a trade. I think he's like going to stay in Houston just because it's really a bad look to come out with the I'm I'm committed to the city and then demand a trade later. Like as much as they might want, it's just a bad look. So I think he's already thought about it. Um, but yeah, I don't I know really. Kyrie. <laughs> I don't know what the, like the trade market is for Westbrook. Like, I don't know who wants a Westbrook. I don't know what he would like demand in like value. I don't really know. It's hard because they could like salary dump him onto the Knicks, but the Rockets still, as long as Harden's there, they want to compete. So it's hard to figure out what the right move is going to be. Dan, what do you think? Yeah, well, I heard on first take that uh, this might mean that they're, uh, they're more likely to trade James Harden. So I'm just going to pretend that, you know, that that's true because I, I like to think that that's possible, even though it's probably not. Kendrick Perkins, friend of the podcast, said that yeah, uh, Harden wants to go to either Brooklyn or the new Philadelphia 76ers. So <laughs> you just have to consider it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I personally would like us to trade for – there was a rumor from some guy I don't know about like Harden going to Brooklyn. <laughs> this is really good. Uh, Harden <laughs> going to Brooklyn for like Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie and- Oh, I did uh, see that. Right, and Torian Prince and uh, Jared Allen. I feel like if the Sixers want to trade for Harden and Simmons is on the table, that feels like it would blow that offer out of the water. Unless, unless Fertitta mm-hmm. just will not trade with uh, Maury so soon after that, so. I'm not sure. Um, Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer uh, reported that uh, the Sixers are interested in a Patty Mills trade for Josh Richardson. What do you guys think of Patty Mills, Dan? Yeah, I really don't like Josh Richardson, so that sounds great to me. (laughs) Emily, what do you think? Um, I... I like Patty Mills, but I I really do want to see Josh Richardson in, like, a better offense like but I kind of think that Doc could do that like I'd like mm-hmm. to he wasn't utilized properly last season I would like to see what he could do but I'm also fine getting rid of him I just think he's a decent player and he yeah. didn't have a good system for him last year I agree um Patty Mills is cool and he's from Australia and I'd love to have him Jackson are you there I am can you guys hear me yes yeah. hey, Jackson Jeff. Frank is with us here on the podcast he's a draft expert he writes for Liberty Ballers and Fan Sided. He just wrote something great on Tyrell Terry. Jackson, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How are the three of you doing? Good. Doing great. Thank you so much for being here. We're so happy to have you on. Of course. Sorry that I, I kind of spaced. I knew I had to. I couldn't remember if we agreed on time, but I'm glad you messaged me and reminded me. Don't worry about it. Um, so, yeah, we're basically just going to hit you with a bunch of draft questions and um, feel free to fail if we get annoying at any point we're used to that um we're just going to start with some overall thoughts that you have on the draft and specifically the top of the draft it seems like in mock drafts and and in like uh, you know regular conversation on the internet Lamelo, uh edwards and james wiseman are the top three guys do you agree with that and if not what would you change about that top three yeah i wouldn't i think Lamelo and anthony edwards are deserving of that spot. I'm considerably lower on, on Wiseman, um, which I think is kind of a general theme for a lot of people across Twitter who 
who analyze this class. Um, I, I don't, you know, I think with big men nowadays, you need someone who's either a really decision maker, passer, shooter, or like go-to scorer. And I don't think Wiseman fits any of those uh, boxes or checks any of those boxes. I think he, I think he'll have a nice long career as a serviceable big, but I just worry about a guy who has decision-making issues, hasn't proven to be a good floor spacer, and is by no means some brilliant passer. Um, so my top, I think kind of the, the consensus top three that I would, I'd probably add Killian Hayes in there. I'm a really cool. big fan of Alexei Pokashevsky. Um, obviously, Onyeka Kong was another guy that um, is a top, probably a top 10 pick. I have him a little higher than that. Um, but I think generally speaking, my, my top three would be, you know, the Lamelo Anthony Edwards and Killian Hayes and Lexi Pokashevsky, which is four, obviously, but mm-hmm. um, that's kind of who I've I've gravitated towards as my, my kind of my top guys. Got it. So, given the Sixers picks are at twenty-one, thirty-four, and thirty-six, how does the draft stack up for them in terms of them actually getting what they need where they're selecting? Yeah, I think they have a really good chance of getting like two or three guys that can you know allow their best players or make the game easier for their best players um, this class has some really good shooters um, that are projected to go in that 20 to 45 range um, guys like Desmond Bain Isaiah Joe um, Sam Merrill Cassius Winston um, Nico Mannion is not a great shooter yet but I do think he makes sense as a good off-ball player off-ball guard next to Simmons and Embiid um, you can even go Tyrell Terry um, he, he might go a little higher than the Sixers first pick same with Desmond Bain but I think if they play their cards right, they should be able to come out with two or three guys who have a chance to do some really um, valuable things for what the Sixers roster needs. Mm-hmm. To, to, to follow up on that, you know, I think a lot of people have kind of agreed that this is a, a weaker class in, than usual. But uh, in, in your opinion, is that are they when they say that they're mostly talking about the, the top of the class? Because it does seem like there are some exciting players like down towards the end of the first round when the Sixers pick. Yeah, I think mostly it's talking about the topic class. Obviously, the you know the easiest way to win, uh, or not the easiest, but you know usually you draft high end talent. Sixers drafted Embiid and Simmons, and I don't think there's anyone of that caliber in this in this class. Um, but I do think it is a good class for the Sixers. If, like I said, if they manage things correctly, they can come away with some valuable guys and, and guys that can plug into their rotation from from day one. So you mentioned him, and uh, now we're just going to start sort of hitting you with different guys in the draft and getting your thoughts on them overall and just sort of how they would fit in with the Sixers uh, in uh, relation to where they're picking. Uh, Desmond Bain is a guy that uh, Liberty Ballers has written a lot about and, and you've written about, and uh, I'd love to know what you think about him and uh, him at the 21st pick. Yeah, it seems like it seems like all of Sixers Twitter at this point is <laughs> is a – are big fans of Desmond Bain. Um, I have him, I think I have him in my 14th right now in my 13 to 20 range. So I'm definitely a huge fan of him. I think he would make sense at 21. Um, he's not quite the kind of the, the on ball creator that I think the Sixers would still need. He lacks some burst and some handle, but um, he's an incredible off ball player, manipulating screens, using footwork as a pretty effortless jumper, um, improved as a passer. Um, this past this past year or so, he's a pretty good pick and roll passer with either hand, live dribble stuff, skip passes. So I think he makes a lot of sense for the Sixers, um, even if he's not, you know, the guy who you can give the ball to um, late in the game and say go beat your man off the dribble. I think he's going to be able to create advantages in other ways because he's such a deadly shooter. Um, I think he's going to draw a lot of you know double teams or you know, the way he's able to manipulate and you know apply the, the use of screens off ball would help the Sixers a lot. 
I'm assuming they're able to kind of tinker there. Assuming they, they revamp their offense, that it doesn't have so many guys crowded around the paint or in that dunker spot um, and stuff like that. I think Desmond Bain makes a lot of sense as, as a guy who can really help amplify what Simmons and Embiid want to do. Mm-hmm. So an- another guy who you mentioned earlier who I think I've, I've seen some people have him really high and then some people maybe don't love him so much. Could you talk a little bit about Tyrell Terry? Yeah, I, I would say I'm generally on – I would say I'm probably right in the middle – on on him I have him as a late first guy kind of in my 20 to 21 to 35 tier or something I don't have it top of my head but I think that's where I have him I I don't think given who I anticipate being available for the Sixers at 21 um, I don't think Terry would be at the top of my priority list Um, I think for me I would probably try and target the second round but it's really unlikely he's there he's a really good off-ball shooter um, plays screens well really good footwork really smooth one motion release Um, but he is, he's 6'3", you know, in shoes. He's 175 or whatever. Um, he lacks some hands, he lacks a little bit of burst. And I think it's really hard for, for a guy to, to make a living as a, you know, a 6'2 and a half, 6'3", um, off-ball guard. So uh, I like him. I just don't think he's quite what the Sixers need. Even if his shooting would be valuable, I think they need a little more on-ball ability and someone who maybe is a little more physically developed and, and ready because, you know, obviously, Simmons and Embiid are, are ready to win now. I don't think they want to wait until Terry's third year for him to be a valuable contributor. So from everything I've read, I don't think that this guy will be available for the Sixers, but for some reason he is. What are your thoughts on Tyrese Maxey? Yeah. Um, seems like Tyrese Maxey and Cole Anthony are two guys that were really heralded recruits last year and their stock has fallen pretty significantly over the last year. Um, I think Maxi is certainly a guy that if he's available at, at 21, the Sixers should be all over. Even if he's available at 14 or 15 or something, the Sixers have an, an, an ability or an opportunity to trade up and package some of those second rounders or future second rounders. I think it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, Max is a guy I have in my, my second tier. He's sixth or seventh on my board. Um, really good guard defender on the ball. Can play up and guard a couple of probably one through three pretty comfortably strong, really good laterally. Um, really good burst to getting downhill as a crafty finisher. Um, I think he's a lot better shooter than his, his number suggested this year. He only shot 29% from three at Kentucky, but um, in his days in AAU in high school, he was 35, 37% on off the dribble stuff, off screen, um, flashed a lot of versatility and, and proficiency as a shooter. So I think he would make a lot of sense as someone who you can, you know, is a secondary creator who can create on his own and then also can work off the ball and space the floor for, what the Sixers, Sixers stars want to do offensively. And obviously he's pretty good defensively as well. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And you also just mentioned Cole Anthony, who obviously was, was hurt a bit this year. Um, and that that didn't seem to help his, his stock at all. And it seems like, you know, in the, in, if you're going to group those two guys together in, in, the, in the sense that they were high recruits who dropped, he's the one who may have a better chance to, to follow the Sixers from what I've seen. So how do you feel about his fit in Philly? And do you think I'm, I'm right that, like, if one were to follow, it might be him? Yeah, I think if I had to bet which one's going to go higher, it would be Maxi. Um, but, yeah, I think Cole has a better chance of being available to the Sixers at, at 21. Um, I, similar, I feel similarly about him that I, as I do Maxi. I have him maybe seventh or eighth, right around the same, same range as Maxi. Um, Cole's are like Cole Anthony's a really really good shooter. He's a high level shooter, getting back to like uh, maybe freshman sophomore year of high school. Um, took a lot of took and made a lot of really tough pull up jumpers this year, despite a really poor team context. And so, obviously the Sixers need someone who can create off the dribble and be a good pull up shooter. And I think Cole Anthony has the chance, you know, you know, looking back in five years to be the best pull up shooter in this class. And so I think that skill set makes a lot of sense. He has some burst concerns. Um, I thought he looked more explosive pre-college but I also am wondering maybe if because he is on the older side I believe he turned 20 back in May I'm wondering if maybe some of that is because he was just a little more physically developed um, but also he could have looked a little more hampered because of the injury it's kind of ambiguous as to when exactly that meniscus injury happened um, but I don't think he ever really looked explosive throughout the year so um, yeah I think he makes a lot of sense there and I like the way his passing developed too I think as he grew to understand his responsibilities as a lead guard at UNC this past year despite Poor, poor team conducts and poor, poor floor spacing. I think, um, I think he got better as a passer. So, um, I, I, I would really, I would really encourage the Sixers to take Cole Anthony if he's available at twenty-one. Staying on him for a second, I, in just listening and and reading about the draft, and Anthony seems like a bit of a polarizing player. I think because of the way that he came into NCA, and he was thought of as like really a top five guy. People have been sort of alluding to character concerns and uh, personality stuff. Do you know anything about that as it relates to him? No, I don't know anything definitive. Um, I would say I'm probably in the same boat as any of you who have read stuff. Yeah. Um, I think there was, you know, there was some stuff that came out maybe a few month, few weeks ago, and his teammates were really quick to defend him on Twitter, called him a great teammate. Oh, cool. Um, I, a few of them, I think, and I think also – the fact that he did come back after he, he tore his meniscus, like I think UNC was already well under 500 when he came back. I think that is is a point in his favor. Um, so I don't know exactly what's behind that. Maybe there's some validity to it. I've not heard anything specific, um, but I have seen a lot that kind of maybe seems to refute that idea. Um, and I, I do think part of the reason he had his talk as fallen is because I don't think a lot of people watched much of him before he went to UNC. And he was like a dominant, dominant, dominant player um, in high school and in, in AAU. So I think if, if people were able to get access to more of that tape, they'd be a little more optimistic about him. I'm not saying as high as I am, so top six or seven, but I think yeah, at least top 12 or so rather than the, you know, the 18 or the, the teens or the 20s where he's kind of seemingly fallen on some, some boards. Yeah. So a guy that has popped up that I know less than nothing about, uh, he's popped up like for the Sixers on, uh, I think in the Ringer mock draft. Can you tell us a little bit about, it's either Theo or Teo Maladon? Um, I don't know much about him at all. Yeah, so he's a he's like a, I want to say six five kind of French combo guard. Um, he 
I'm I'm a little lower on him. I don't think he's one of the best options for the Sixers, but um, he is a pretty good shooter. He's had some pretty impressive versatility and volume from a young age, um, off the dribble spot up, some off movement stuff. Um, it has a kind of a herky-jerky game. He's he's garnered some comparisons to Shea Gilgis Alexander. I don't think those make much sense, um, but you do see some similarities in the way they kind of operate with an offbeat cadence that kind of throws defenders, um, tilts defenders off balance or whatever you mm. want to say. Um, but I don't think he's quite the level of on-ball career they would need. I don't think he's some elite off-ball shooter. And while I think he's a pretty talented passer at times, I think he's a little slow with the way he processes reads and, and sees things. And so I think at the next, at the NBA level where you have to really be pretty, pretty snappy and quick um, with those passing reads, I think he might struggle and you might see him you know, be a little late and his turnover numbers swell at least early on before he adapts. And I think obviously, you know, you can't be too, you can't be too, have too high expectations for the Sixers drafting in 21, but I don't, again, I don't want them. I don't think they should be taking someone who needs a few years to develop, given the fact that Embiid's 26, Simmons is 24. Like they, you don't want to wait for a guy to, to really hit their prime or be a valuable contributor when those guys are 29 and 27. Right. Um, another guy that is kind of around where the Sixers are picking and has been, you know, talked about is Malachi Flynn. And, but there's some questions about whether, you know, he's on the smaller side and whether his skills will translate to the NBA. So what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I think, you know, he's a guy that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's just, yeah, I, I, it's, he would be, if I was ranking the guys we talked about, um, I don't think he would be in my top three. Um, I think I would have Bain, Maxie, and Cole Bowen, but I do think he makes sense for the Sixers. He's a really, really good pick-and-roll player, um, pretty deceptive handle, um, pretty talented passer, just really knows how to operate in ball screens. Um, decent burst. I don't think by any means it's great. It's not something – it's better than Cole Anthony. It's, it's not anywhere close to as Tyrese Maxie's, but – um, good off-ball shooter too. Good has some good pull-up game too. Um, but I, yeah, I think he makes sense. But I do think there will probably be there. There should be better um, value plays for the Sixers. Whether that means trading up a few spots to take Anthony or Maxi, or just staying put and taking Bain. Um, I think those would all be better moves. But by no means is Flynn a, a, a poor fit. I just think there are better ways to maximize that that pick. Could you talk a little bit about RJ Hampton? I saw you had him on your on your last big board. I think he was like 17. So um, like right before, you know, the Sixers would pick. Obviously, that's not a mock draft. So um, how do you feel about his fit? He didn't uh, he didn't play uh, in college. So how does that make it, you know, different to kind of evaluate him compared to other guys? Yeah, he's an interesting one. And I watched some of him before he played in the NBL. And I, I really wasn't a fan. I just didn't think. He was a very good decision maker. I thought he, I didn't really trust his jumper. Um, and I, I was just not really in on him by any means. And then I thought he took some pretty big step forward, some pretty big steps forward offensively during the NBL as a passer decision maker. Um, and so that, that had me a little higher in him. But my biggest issue, I do think he's still pretty raw defensively, especially like really struggles navigating screens, positioning himself off ball. But offensively, to his credit, he's one of the best slashers and downhill drivers in this class um, has an incredible first step especially for a guy who's like six five um, really long fluid steps can get by most guys um, it's just a matter of how well is he going to play off of that advantage you know once he gets past his man and he draws help is he going to be able to discern between trying to get all the way to the rim and finish or make the kick out pass for an open three stuff like that so I think he makes some sense for the six but he's another guy who really lacks some polish and happens and take some time to understand how to you know, maximize what he can do offensively as this guy who's 
a pretty big combo guard and has an incredible first step for a guy his size. Somebody that uh, I believe you're pretty high on and I think is very cool just from watching him on YouTube is Grant Riller. He seems really cool. Should I like him? And, and if he, do you think he's more of a guy that the Sixers will look at at 21 or 34 and 36? Yeah, Riller's, Riller's awesome. He's been one of my favorite prospects to scout this year. Um, just because, I mean, part of it is he played in a pretty um, low-tier conference, and he was just in, like he was pretty much the best player in the conference. So that's part of it. But really, like really, really good first step. Um, I don't know if it's better than Hamptons, but he's better taking advantage of it because he's an incredible finisher, um, probably the, like easily the best guard finisher in the class, in my opinion. Um, has some pretty impressive space creation as a pull-up shooter, um, working in the mid-range, getting to a spot. It's really dynamic handle, too. Was able to create advantages with crossovers, in and outs, spin moves, stuff like that. Um, so you can tell he's a really skilled player. Then he also merges that with explosiveness, strength, quickness, a bunch of different things. Um, I think he is a guy that will be available for, for the Sixers at any of the, their first three picks, really. Um, I would definitely consider him at, at 21. Um, I think he makes sense there. He is someone what what he is someone who can give the Sixers what they need, especially as an on-ball creator, someone who can create advantages off the dribble um, and then capitalize off of those. He's still kind of sharpening his decision making and passing. Both of them took step forwards the last couple of years, I think. Um, but by no means is he a lock to be some awesome passer. I think he's definitely worse than than Bain. I talked about Bain making improvements. I think Bain's improvements are a lot more notable and invaluable at this point. But um, yeah, he is. I have I've really right ahead of Bain on my in my board. Um, I think he makes a lot of sense for them at 21, but I do think he would also be available a little later um, because his stock hasn't really seemed to rise in the way that someone like Tyrell Terry or, or uh, Desmond Bain's stock has risen over the past few months. Um, but he's definitely someone the Sixers should consider as early as 21, but they, if they're smart, they probably should at least should target someone else at 21, and you know, I think he'll be available at 34 and 36. Yeah. So we, we just have a, we have a few more players for you. Um, one guy who's pretty popular on Sixers Twitter, and I think immediately could come in and be one of the most handsome players in the league is Isaiah Joe. Could you tell me a little bit about him? Yeah, um, I'm a big Isaiah Joe fan. I've, I wrote a big long piece about him back in back in June, I think, on my Patreon page. Um, he He's an incredible shooter, like deep range, volume, versatility. Um, I think he got like up like 553s and 60 career games or something like that in college. Um, just absurd volume for for a high major guy, yeah, yeah. Um, and like I said, stuff it was it was stuff well beyond the three point line. It was pull up jumpers. It was stuff off of screens. Um, I think he shot thirty. I want to say like thirty eight percent from deep it, in in two years. It's interesting. I think so. His, his freshman year, he shot like forty one percent from three on similar volume. Um, and then last year, he regressed a little bit to thirty four percent. Had some injury things he was dealing with, but I think if those were reversed, he'd, his stock would be even higher. Um, but I don't really think that should, like, I don't think that's a reason for his stock being so low. I think it's kind of silly to, you know, shooting just, you know, numbers have variance and that's how it kind of works. But um, I'm a big fan of him. I think he, he would command a lot of off-ball gravity because he has such a quick trigger from Obi on the three-point line. Um, he's a pretty good, he developed into a pretty good pick and roll pass the last year or so as well, which I like. Decent decent pocket passing, um, has some pull-up game too. He put on some strength or some muscle um, over the last year. He's still pretty um, slight of frame, but I think you saw him do a little more with the strength, able to create a little more space off the dribble and, and get to his pull-ups. Has a really nice step back going to his left. 
Um, so I'm a huge fan of him, and I definitely think he's someone that you should um, be considering. I know they've, they've already been linked to him. I think Keith Pompey um, put something out a few days ago about the Sixers being interested in him with one of their early second rounders, and I think that would be a really, really prudent investment on their part. So I know that the Sixers and Sixers fans really love um, point guards from Arizona, but should we also love Nico Mannion because he seems to have really fallen off everyone's, uh, fallen down everyone's draft board. So what can you tell us? Yeah, I, I think I feel similar to Nico um, from a Sixers perspective as I do to Tyrell Terry in the sense that um, I think he will probably be gone by the time they pick at 34 or 36 and he's not who I would consider in 21 given who's likely available but I do think he makes sense um he's a pretty smart off-ball player um really quick decision maker very good passer um he's another guy who I think he's a better shooter than his college member suggested um, was pretty good um pre-college as well has some kind of weird mechanical issues in the sense that he I don't think his range is as deep as you want because he kind of has a little bit of a hunched posture which is interesting like he doesn't quite get fully extended and I think that's why a lot of his shots are are short and why he maybe struggled adjusting from the the college line um, compared to the high school line or the AAU line to an extent. But um, I do think he makes some sense if for some reason he's available to the Sixers at 34 or 36. Um, I would consider him there, but it's a little early for me um, at 21, both where I have Nico ranked on my board and where I think or who I think will be available there as well. Um, Cassius Winston is somebody who uh, I think is fairly well known even to just uh, sort of cursory college basketball fans out of Michigan State. Uh, what it seems like his his consensus will be around the late first round. What do you think about him as a first round pick and uh, and on the Sixers? Yeah, I I wouldn't invest a first round pick in him. Um, I would again, I would consider him in the second round. Really, really good versatile shooter, like one of the best shooters in the class, top five. Um, can work off screens. Has no issue shooting against tight contests, even though he's only about six feet tall. Um, he benefits a little bit. He has like a six-six wingspan, I want to say, which is obviously pretty interesting and nice little plus there. Um, he has a pretty deceptive handle. He really knows how to work pick and roll as well. Um, but he's just like his biggest. You know, I don't want to use athleticism as an overarching term, but he's just such a poor slash non-athlete. Um, mm-hmm. Doesn't have vertical explosion. Doesn't have burst to get by his guy off the dribble. Um, he has some strength, but he's by no means some outlier strong guard. Um, like in a way, I think like Grant Riddler was really strong for guard. Um, he's obviously bigger than Winston, but I don't think Cassius Winston is, is strong like that by any means. So, um, you know, I loved wa- I've loved watching him play. I think like you mentioned, um, he is he's kind of one of the better well known college guys of the last couple of years. Um, but he's someone I would I would consider starting the second starting thirty five to forty range rather than with the Sixers first round pick. Um, but I do think he definitely has a place in this league. Um, because he's such an incredible shooter and he's a smart player. And I think he's a little better defensively than you'd expect. I think he's a pretty smart off-ball player with stunts and digs and kind of creating turnovers with his IQ and timing on stuff. So um, I think he definitely has a place because he's such a good shooter overall. Um, but I'm not sure he'll, he makes sense in the Sixers given where they pick and where he's likely to go. Yeah, so, so we just talked about, like, you know, 11 guys that we had wanted to ask you about. But um, – it might not be as simple as last year where it's like, okay, the Sixers want Matisse and the Sixers took Matisse and there was no surprises. So who do you think, because, uh, you know, now that, now that we have Maury, who might be someone who, you know, is not someone that Sixers Twitter has talked about a lot, is not someone that's been mind the Sixers so much, and whether that's at, at 21 or early in the second round, 
that you could see being good fit and kind of a likely choice there? Yeah, I think a couple of guys that, that come to mind. Um, would, one would be Sam Merrill, who I mentioned when we started talking. And the other one, for some reason, is escaping my mind. Oh, um, the other one would be Trace Tinkle. Um, so Sam Merrill is like a 6'5", um, played a lot of point guard at Utah State. Very good pick and roll passer. Very, very good shooter, too. Um, he's a little similar to Cassius Winston in that I don't, I think he struggles with some athleticism and things. He doesn't have much burst, a little slow laterally, has some defensive issues, but um, 6'5 can shoot the heck out of the ball and is a pretty good pick and roll passer. Like I mentioned, I think he makes sense as a second round target. Um, and then Trace Tinkle is a, it's like a 6'7, 6'8, 3 slash 4 from Oregon State. Never shot, doesn't have great percentages in any of his across his four years at Oregon State, but has a lot of versatility for a for a front court player, can shoot off movement, um, obviously a good spot-up guy. Um, and I, I think part of the reason his numbers were so down is because he was asked to, with pretty significant creation burden at times, and I think that kind of – he had to take some pretty wild shots, and I think in a smaller role you'd see him be a 37%, 38% guy um, who can space the floor as a power forward or slash three. Um, and it's also pretty solid using his gravity to, you know, create passes or whatever, you know, if two guys run out off of a screen and kind of slip to the roll man or whatever, or swing it around for an open three. So I think those are a couple of guys to watch for. Um, I haven't seen Trace Tinkle really mentioned um, on much mainstream stuff as a, as a top 60 guy, but, um, you know, the Sixers obviously they have 49, they have 58. I think those are two places that I would, I would definitely suggest they at least consider Trace Tinkle because it's, it's hard to get shooting versatility in the front court. Especially, it's hard to get it anywhere, but especially if you're a guy who's six seven, six eight, it makes a lot of sense to me. Is there anyone in this draft that you see compares to any of our like beloved process sixers, be it Cove or Dario, TJ, Tony Roten, Ish Smith, really any of the guys that we love and talk about still to this day? Um, I think if anyone would get the Robert Covington comparisons, and I think this is probably disrespectful and a little bit to Covington, but it'd be Devin Vassell, um, the wing from Florida State. He's not as strong or long as Covington. I think Covington's like 6'9 with a 7'2 wingspan over. I think Vassell's about 6'5, 6'6 with a 6'10 wingspan. Um, but similar mold in that, you know, kind of this 3 and D wing who are really, really good off-ball defenders with their length and their timing, their instincts. Um, so I think that would be kind of the, the guy, if you just watch them play, um, we really see some similarities. Like, I think especially if you watch Vassell play, you'll and you've seen a lot of Mikhail Bridges, you'll say, okay, he's definitely watched Mikhail Bridges. Like a lot of the stuff he does defensively, especially Garnish comparisons. And obviously Mikhail got Roko comparisons as well when he was coming out of Villanova. Um, McConnell, I mean, it's, it's tough. I mean, part of what obviously what makes TJ so great is his motor and his, and whatnot. And I think it's, you know, you know I don't want to, you don't want to use the, 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 you know, the cliche stuff with little white point guard, but that legitimately is <laughs> one of the things that makes TJ so great because he does, play so hard all the time and is always keeping the ball moving and whatnot, even if he can be a little ball dominant at times. Um, it, it's really tough for me to find anyone that I, you know, I've watched and say that he would be, um, they would be like TJ McConnell. Um, I think someone that people have comped fairly regularly to Jeremy Grant um, would be Precious Achua. He's like a power forward, small ball center out of Memphis. Um, I'm a lot lower on him compared to consensus I was a mid-second guy, but um, kind of a freakish athlete for a for a power forward, um, and has a long way to go with his jumper. But obviously, Jeremy Grant had a long way to go with his jumper coming out of Syracuse, and he just shot 39 or 40 percent, whatever, from three this past year. Um, so I think those would be kind of 
a couple of guys that have some similarities to process sixers. Um, I would be surprised if the cell is ever as good as Roko or, or Precious is ever as good as Jeremy Grant, but um, I think you can kind of see some similarities in play style and, and whatnot. If you had to put money, you choose the number, on any player in the draft being a sixer by the end of Wednesday night, who would you choose? Um, I, I think I would say Isaiah Joe is, seems likely. Um, just because they have so many picks in, in kind of the range he's projected to go and they've already been linked to him and they need shooting. Um, I think he makes a lot of sense there. Um, that's the guy I would be most confident. I think some of the other guys that Sixers fans like, and maybe even Sixers brass, like might not be available at 21, like Desmond Bain, mm-hmm. Tyrese Maxey, Cole Anthony. Um, but it seems like there's an, you know, the Sixers have enough assets and resources to, do what they got to do to get Isaiah Joe. Maybe they have to overpay for him again because it's already come out. They like him. <laughs> um, but I, I would not be surprised at all, given where he's projected to go and what the Sixers have asset-wise in that range um, if he is on the Sixers by the end of Wednesday evening. Yeah. So I I would just hate to let you go without, without asking you any questions about Pitt. So um, could you tell me a little bit about Xavier Johnson? I know you had him high last year. And then, obviously, not so much this year. He's staying in school. He was really bad his sophomore year at Pitt. Um, but he's such a good athlete. Do you see him as someone who could have a turnaround and he, he could still be on teams' radars? Or is the NBA not really in the picture for him anymore? I think there's a chance. Um, I still have, you know, a sliver of Xavier Johnson stock um, because, like, I mean, he's such a good athlete getting downhill. Um, incredible burst, pretty good strength for a guard, um, but just such a poor decision maker. Um, has kind of a wonky jumper, even though the free throw numbers have been solid um, in the first two years. I just think it's a really tough bet for a guy who's six three or whatever and has a questionable jumper and decision making concerns. But um, if he's able to, maybe he's tightened up his jumper a little bit and he's a much better decision maker in year three. Then yeah, by all means, a guy with those physical tools, with the burst from the downhill, the driving technique and whatnot, and some of the finishing craft. Um, even if the finishing numbers haven't been great so far. Um, I definitely think there's a chance he could enter back on radars, but at this point I think he's he's fairly well removed. But, um, you know, guys have breakout years and figure things out, and maybe he just – maybe that happens for him. I'd I love to see it. I, I really liked him a lot as a freshman. I like kind of the slate of tools and, and whatnot he had, but he didn't really – wasn't able to build off those in year two, unfortunately. Yeah. And then, and then last pick question. This is kind of a dumb one because I already know the answer and it's not what I want to hear. But um, – is there, is there any chance that uh, uh, anyone starts to really appreciate Audis Tony like I do? Because he's my favorite player, and <laughs> I, I, know, I already know that, that no one will, but it's okay. I mean, I think, I think I like what Pitt is at least building there. So, I mean, I think the big thing is if they can, I mean, they, if they can get a little better this year and, and Tony takes another step forward, then, yeah, I think maybe it will be some, some niche fans of his. But um, from a mainstream perspective, I think you're probably going to be the only – any vocal component of his, but I, but I hope you can, I hope you can appreciate that on your own, and I hope yes. you can get some more love um, as Pitt continues to kind of rebuild its program. That worked. That's good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> I know that you're probably inundated with Audis Tony questions making the rounds, uh, <laughs> heading up to the draft. Jackson, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Is there anything that you would like us to promote or point people to to read of yours? Anything you'd like to promote? 
Um, I'll have a little draft Q&A um, on Liberty Ball over the next day or so, sometime before the draft, obviously, um, so people can be on the lookout for that. I'll have a Xavier Tillman scatter report as well before the draft, and I think that'll be it for my draft code between now and Wednesday. Um, but I appreciate all of you having me on, you know, tossing a lot of different prospect questions at me, um, and I, I hope the Sixers can can make smart decisions uh, on Wednesday and you know, really take a step forward with all this these chest of draft picks that they've been given over the last few years. We hope so too. Thank you again for uh, taking the time to talk to us. You were great. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Um, so the only other thing on Wednesday, uh, I'm going to be a part of it. Liberty Ball is just doing like a live stream draft thing that I'm going to drink during. So uh, I don't know. Are you guys doing that? Yeah, is that is, okay? Yeah, I am doing that. I for some reason you, thought it was. He's he has his calendar out. And he's like, <laughs> they just pulled up these papers. I, I wrote it. I wrote the draft down on the wrong day, though. I keep I keep a very tight calendar, so I need to I need to mark this down. So this is Wednesday the 18th. Yeah, Wednesday. We're the 18th. doing we're doing draft. This is a great draft podcast where one of the people doesn't even know what day it's on until the last minute of it. Well, I I knew, but I just wrote it for the wrong day. <laughs> Oh my right, so God. Eight, we're starting at 8 p.m. The draft starts at 8.30. Okay, go ahead and talk about it now. I marked it down. I bet that's as much as I know, is that uh, we're going to live stream it and it'll be available on the Liberty Ballers account. Emily, will we be blessed with your presence? Oh, maybe. I don't know. I'm like solved. No. That's no. probably a no. Like I know no. nothing about the draft. I just learned so much from yeah. Jackson. So I don't really have any like value unless we're going to talk about, oh, maybe I trade mm. we could have a trade we get a trade i'm also thinking it kind of sucks because like my favorite part of the draft is that i like to see what everyone wears and i i feel like that's value but like if it's going to be from their home oh they're still going to dress up maybe oh, i'll be like the the onside fashion correspondent for the draft because i don't that have anything like to say about anyone's play <laughs> i like that i would love that. that's an important role i mean steve aren't we just going to judge them on handsomeness yeah we're going to have cards to say handsome and not handsome and hold them up i don't know if you'll ever hear our voices on the thing but yeah, uh, yeah that's, well, that's because other people have good things to say, and we have cards yeah. that say handsome and not handsome. I know Dan Olinger will be talking about their actual game, and we'll be like, I don't love his chin. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. Oh, I do have guys. one more thing. Oh my god, it's not like I'm not like promoting. I just want to give Covington a shout out, Robert Covington. He this week broke ground. He donated a new practice facility to TC. Uh, Tennessee State, his alma mater. So he nice. funded. It's the Covington Pavilion. I thought that was super cool. Oh my god! That's and awesome. yeah, he's funding. A, it has like two basketball courts for men's and women's basketball. He's like really giving back to his alma mater. And I just wanted to shout him out because you know we love him here. Absolutely love him. He's the best. How fun would it be if the next time we talk, he's on the Sixers again? I would die. That would be the best thing ever, <sighs> guys. I think. Right. Listen, I've been talking myself into a Harden trade, but. Mm -hmm. If we could get Covington, that might make me happier. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and from like a pure joy standpoint, that would probably do it. Oh, yeah. Or I mean, oh, why yeah. not both? Why not both? Yeah, I mean, both would also be fun. <laughs> uh, good seeing you guys. I'll see you either Wednesday or next week. And uh, good times. Sounds good. See ya. See ya. See ya.
Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.